Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. Welcome to Weekly Jump, presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. This is our weekly episode reviewing first impressions of newer anime and manga titles. Let's jump in. Uh, hey everybody, we are here this week again with more Weekly Jump goodness. Uh... I wanted to say that we had something new to give away, but uh, surprise, surprise, uh, we're doing one more week where you can be in for the wrist brands for the My Hero Academia stuff. So if you want to get on on that, uh, you need to send in the keyword. Um, Just give because... them to me. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna do that. Um, Damn it! <laughs> but listen, uh, I, I'll I'll throw in the keyword sometimes this episode. It's also in the previous two episodes. If you have listened to any of those, um, we've had a, a good number of people reach out after I I shamed everybody afterwards last time when I was like, not many people have wrote in. Um, so the they've heeded my call, I guess, for the cool thing. Um, but anyways, I I got. I got some screen time this week that is uh, that's interesting and also frustrating and also a show that I love and also hate at the same time. So yeah, I was excited and nervous and interested to give you this one because we've talked about it many times on our show and your opinions really seem to vary wildly through the seasons. But you've seen most or all of it now, so mm-hmm. uh, let's let's hit it. <laughs> Yeah, so my screen time this week was Seven Deadly Sins. I've talked about it many times on the show about how good the first season is. If you can get over, um, there's there's quite a bit of fan service inside of Seven Deadly Sins. It's just one of those things. But the premise of the story, as well as the fight sequences inside of the first season and the second season, um, are very good. Um, they are super fun to watch. Uh, the the build of the world itself is really interesting. It's got a, a really cool fantasy premise to it. Um, if you, if you've never heard of the show before, one of the things that they are doing is they're, uh, in a world that has humans inside of it and the humans have some, some of them have these abilities that seem magical. Um, they can use, uh, um, uh, different abilities like, um, oh gosh, I, I can't think of, I can't think of one that's not a super big giveaway right off the top of my head because yeah. all of the seven deadly sins have a a unique ability that is revealed as part of their character reveals as well as the knights inside of the world. They all have their own abilities and it's a cool reveal kind of like something well, like, like in bleach. One of the guys near the beginning, he has what seemed to be sort of lightning or lightning adjacent powers and he could throw mm-hmm. like a spear really far, like many miles Mm -hmm. Uh, in almost the blink of an eye because it's kind of like a lightning strike so there's stuff like that this this series is kind of i've watched a good deal of it this is not my screen time for the week but i am i'm in the middle of the it's not the second season because they did that weird six episode filler season but i'm in the middle of the third season where the the like they're all these like weird demons and stuff and uh they this show it's like of a high fantasy arthurian legend with very bombastic anime powers thrown on top of it yeah and here's the thing about it too uh so i did something a little bit weird this week because i had watched almost all of seven deadly sins already um before i decided to to pick it up and start talking about it so this is the the thing 
that I noticed and I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a run to see what I wanted to do with it. And then if I, if I still feel the same way, I'm going to go ahead and read on the manga because I am very interested to find out how the manga differs. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised to find out that I enjoyed the manga because the manga is pretty, uh, consistent throughout the entire time. It's also one uh, that you can read on, uh, Crunchyroll, um, with the, 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 the manga streaming service. Um, so oh, it's, it's, that. Yeah, so it's it's really good. It's really interesting. I I really think that it is a a solid solid read and I think the first two seasons of the anime are very good. I think that you have a very sharp decline inside of the animation quality when it goes to the the later seasons. Um and that is because of the studio that they changed over to and some really really bad budget cuts. Some of the fight sequences that you will see online if you just look up ones where it's just like look at Meliodas his face in this moment and you're just like oh god like very very obviously skipped frames where they go from really high animation on somebody's face to like really crappy animation slipping between the different ones and it was very frustrating i want to jump in here because we've had we've actually addressed not that long ago i think it was this year the same kinds of complaints for naruto there's a mm-hmm. very famous shot of Naruto's face sort of being stretched and going off model, which mm-hmm. just means that, you know, the model is what the animation team uses to keep the characters look consistent. Going off model means that your uh, the techniques and the way that you're drawing them is not no longer fitting the model and uh, therefore the character looks different than they're supposed to. So there's a very famous fight sequence at the end of Naruto where Naruto and Sasuke fight. This is at the end of Naruto not uh not at the end of naruto shippuden where i technically don't know what happens because i've never watched it that far uh but at the end of naruto part one we get um uh naruto sasuke fight and there's a famous frames where naruto's face distorts and Mm -hmm. we defended that by saying that that was more of an artistic decision to kind of show how frenetic and wild this fight was was to go off model as kind of an artistic choice and it sounds Mm. like this is not the same thing no it is absolutely not the different the the difference is really striking and the most frustrating thing about the entire thing is that the first three or so seasons of the show were all a1 pictures is the studio that held them and netflix owned the streaming rights to it netflix still owns the streaming rights to it and then it switched over to a studio called studio dean and studio dean has kind of a bad history of completely kind of crap in the bed with shows um I, I it's it's a little bit frustrating when you when you find out that like they came from really amazing starting um uh, shows that they were putting out and as they have been going on they sort of like uh, slowly slip into shows that are not uh, not as really exciting to give you a, an example of them um when they were originally st- uh, starting out they were putting out really uh, amazing things like Roroni Kenshin they were putting out Ranma one half um they were putting out uh, uh it looks like uh I think the other one that I remembered was 
golly, I cannot find it. I'm looking at the the list of all their different things, and I, I saw one earlier that I reminded oh a vampire night they put out as well. Um, but as you as you go through them and you get to like the later years, I started to look through these and I was like, I don't recognize any of these different shows that they put out other than Seven Deadly Sins. And the only reason I know this one is because uh, I I knew how good A One was putting out. Um, and then after they switched over to Studio Dean, I was like, oh man, like. It, it takes just like an incredibly sharp turn for the worse, which is so frustrating. And because of that, I was just like, I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to see um, how good the manga is. And the manga stays consistent throughout the entire thing. And if you're wondering like, hey, how good is A1 Pictures? Uh, Black Butler, Butler was done by A1 Pictures. A lot of people really love Fairy Tale. That was done by A1 Pictures. Um, Blue Exorcist was done. Uh, Sword Art Online. Magi, The Labyrinth of Magic. Um, so A1 Pictures is putting out all of these like really hard-hitting... Like Darling in the Franks was also put out. Um, so there's a, a lot of really hard-hitting, huge anime that have been put out um, from A1 and done a really, really good job of it. And the only reason that I found that they switched studios was just because of a budgetary concern. And it, it's really frustrating when you find out something like that because the show was pretty popular and it still yeah. remains popular. So I don't understand why they would kind of undercut them. And it, it just, it, it's very frustrating. The, the more I dig into it, the more I'm like, you took something that I loved and you kind of ripped it apart. And instead I had to switch over to the manga. But at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Maybe I'll just stick to the manga and say, screw it to the anime. Yeah. I mean, I think most anime and manga fans really want to love both of them. And uh, mm -hmm. there's a, you know, specific streak in all of us where we really like the fact that they are almost identical stories and so you get to kind of revel in one moment in print form and then revel in that same moment when it's moving and colored in on screen uh and yeah this is such a weird thing this is also it's one of those one of those real drawbacks to capitalism is that art art and capitalism don't always go together very well and high quality art is more expensive and capitalism wants to make more money and cutting costs is a really easy way to make more money. And usually the money that you save switching to a lower quality and consequently lower cost producer is more than the money you lose from frustrated customers leaving you. So this is just uh, this sucks. Yeah, uh, and a, it's it's really sad news. It's it's always really bummed me out too when I find out that it was for budgetary concerns. Uh and it it's it amazingly frustrates me when I I find out that this this happens quite a bit inside of the anime universe. Um it is very rare that you will get a master that can be like, "Hey, this is my budget on it. I'm spending it all on the artistic prowess of it." Um a, a good example of something like that. I I think I've told you about this before is that Cowboy Bebop when it originally came out went flat broke at the end of it in the sense that they spent all of the money making the show and they spent very very little at the end uh for the marketing campaign for the show it was all spent to make it the best show that they possibly could the same thing happened afterwards they made all of this money back when they came back to the united states and they were like we want to put out a movie so they put out the movie and he spent all of the money again for the movie. And that is the same thing that happened with Samurai Champloo. 
However, as a fan, you're like, this is amazing because this is just some of the best animation quality music. It's just really, really well done. And it it also plays to the fact that all of the artists were very well paid for the work that they were done because of how much they were like, we're not going to cut any corners. It costs what it costs to make something that is this good. It's one of those uh, kind of like sayings about it where it's like you can get it made uh, done cheaply. You can get it made. Uh, you can get it made fast or you can get it made done with quality and you can have two of those things but you cannot have all three so you can you can get it made and it'd be beautiful and it will be expensive or you can get it made fast and it will be crappy (laughs) yeah uh or i guess the what's the last permutation there is like getting it made uh fast and super expensive you have to pay a lot (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's just that, eh, yeah, that sucks. I, I really think that, you know, art and art and, uh, the sort of general capitalistic model that comes from like the corporations that are usually financing large wide scale art like this, just the philosophies are totally different. And it's a bummer because the art is almost always going to suffer unless the artist is able to really make a case for themselves. But, uh, you know, early's or early seven deadly sins totally worth watching. And it checks. Oh, yeah. It sounds like the the sort of secret bonus page slip that you got for us this week is also worth dumping into. Yeah, yeah. Definitely jump in on the manga. And, you know, the first the first couple seasons are really good. Anyways, let's get into your uh, anime because I have never heard of this before. So what's your screen oh. time? I think you would love this. Uh, it is a story about a man whose head is a gun. This is a, an anime called No Guns Life. No Guns Life is uh, basically a hard-boiled detective. Uh, what I guess is a futuristic Japan. There was some uh, hitherto or uh, as yet unexplained war in the recent past. Uh, there are people who modified their bodies um, and they became what's called extended in this series by making themselves into cyborgs by augmenting their body one way or another. The uh, main character is, I think, one of these, although instead of calling him an extended, they call him a resolver. Um, And according to the Wikipedia page, that is just a specific type of extended. So I think that's what he is. But anyway, if extended extend their human abilities by becoming cyborgs, this dude has a gun for a head uh, and is a detective. And uh, there is another extended that shows up at his office one day carrying a young boy. And the boy is unconscious and some uh, skeevy, uh, seems like government people, but I think it's actually like mega corporation people come by posing as police and threatening him because they think he's harboring this person, which he is. But uh, he plays it like he's not. And then it turns out that it looks like there's going to be a big old conspiracy with a mega corporation and some good sort of film noir-esque detective e. Um, cyberpunky kind of goodness. Um, this is an anime that runs f- uh, for 24 episodes. Um, it's all out right now. There's also a manga that I believe is ongoing, so you can get a lot more story there. Um, but yeah, my initial reaction, I had heard of this. Uh, it's one of the reasons I assigned it to myself because I've had my eye on it for a while. Uh, it seemed awesome. I think maybe my 
expectations had been built up a little bit. So the the first episode, it wasn't a letdown. It was just that like I was really pumped about this. So uh, I think I kind of shot myself in the foot there. All that said, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. Um, I don't generally gravitate toward detective stories necessarily or like film noir, um, although I can enjoy them on occasion. I do really like heists and conspiracies because I like those sort of like mind-bending twists. Um, and I like the sort of tension and dread that comes from not not ever being quite sure who you can trust. And there's a lot of crossover between genres there. So I think I enjoyed this because it seems like it has a sort of super corporation conspiracy kind of thing going on. And I am all in on that. Um, the actual detective story doesn't turn me off. It's just not something I usually reach for. And uh, I think if you do reach for detective stories, film noir kind of vibe, yeah, it's it's going to be pretty good. I thought the English dub that I watched was a little hit or miss. I don't think it's the actor's fault. I think there's just some sound mixing choices they made with some of the like roboticized people's voices that did not do it for me. They sounded like uh, vines instead of like voice acting performances. Uh, but the main character is great. Uh, oh, God. So I think it's probably going to be good no matter how you watch it. Uh, I would say my understanding of the series is that it has some pretty baller action. The first episode is much more about kind of the main character being dropped into something and figuring out what's going on. So there's something of an action sequence, but it's not super action packed. Uh, I believe there is a, a little touch of shonen as the series goes on, but I would say that it's a more than interesting and well done enough for me to be uh, into the idea of continuing with it as it stands after the first episode. Cool. All right. Well, going into our page flips, but first, our uh, keyword, if you have not sent it over to us yet, is boomy fists. Uh, so send boomy us fists. that keyword and we will. Boomy can uh, be spelled your... however you want. Yeah. I've I've had it sent in as just a picture of boomy from the last <laughs> the last airbender. <laughs> um, so that has also <laughs> happened. Um, but uh, let's get into my page flips. And I read a manga, which is super, super new, which is called the first chapter came out this week. <laughs> yes. Uh, this this manga is called Build King and Build King reads like a manga that is from a different age um and the biggest huh. reason why is that it reminded me of it really really reminded me of reading original dragon ball and the reasoning oh, okay. why is because it has a weird mix of almost straight up cartoon logic inside of it um and by cartoon i mean something like a, a looney tunes um or a a uh, maybe like an adventure time or some some sort of feel like that to it um and that is mixed with uh uh the sort of feel from a dragon ball or dragon ball z where the characters have this you know random random world that is more fantasy-esque than the regular world that you would see um kind of like reminded me of uh, when you're when you're in dragon ball there's just random people that are you know pig people um um, and also when they're using the the weapons inside of the world everything will come out of a capsule so it's like you know science fictiony sort of fantasy 
PvE world, and Build King definitely has that feel to it. It also has the feel of something where it's building up to a much, much, much grander explanation of the world. Um, the first issue starts out with two characters. They are uh, humans in a world that is not full of humans. Um, there is, uh, uh, they are uh, not actually brothers um but they call each other brother um and they are adopted and then left by a uh, father figure um who teaches them to become builders builders inside of this world want uh want to become something as um connected to something called a build king a build king is a gigantic uh building or city that is built inside of this world that is full of cataclysms that are happening constantly the world that they are sitting on the island that they are on is constantly wrought with monster attacks hurricanes earthquakes volcanic eruptions it's like they're on a a developing planet um and they're having to build a structure that is going to protect them from this ever-changing world. One of the things that is introduced in the first one is that there are um, a species of... It looks like big ogre or, or goblins that want to come and blow your house down. Um, and they will come around and try to attack your house and break it down. The older character, um, he has built a really shoddily built house at the very beginning. And it is immediately blown down by one of these characters. And then they laugh about it and leave. And he's pretty annoyed. But then he goes to his younger brother's house, which is like this cyberpunk looking house. And he's like, okay, let me stay in here. And and the, uh, the goblin monsters are like, we're going to blow your house down, but they can't because it's too strong. Um, and so they have tea and it's really nice. And then we get some more backstory and then the world starts to unfold just a little bit. And it's enough to where it's just like, oh, this world is going to be really interesting. And then at the end of the first chapter, there is a shonen style action sequence where he is fighting with a gigantic hammer. And I was just like, uh, extendo stick from Dragon Ball, anybody? There's a, <laughs> there's a lot of like connecty moments that I, I was having to feeling that nostalgia, uh, for Dragon Ball and for that weird, you know, cartoon esque, um, world that I had seen in bygone manga and bygone anime that I don't really see in a lot of the stuff now. There's like a really specific humor that happens in anime now that I, I think doesn't, it's not as silly as it was before. And this show is definitely harkening back or this manga is definitely harking back to the silliness of that era. And I will say because of that, it is definitely one that I would like to jump into further um, because it is super, super, super new. It's one of those ones that I'm going to probably give it a couple of months because I would like to read a bunch at the same time and then give a another feel on it. Um, but it's definitely one of those that if you want that that uh, that thing that is going to wet your palate for a, a exciting anime, especially if you're into the style of like a Dragon Ball, not so much a Dragon Ball Z, more like original Dragon Ball, it's going to give you some of those feels. And so you might be totally down for that. So anyways that's cool i'm really glad to hear that because i gave you this manga because it was brand new mm -hmm. and i didn't know anything about it except the description that was you know main character wants to be the best builder so he could be the build king or whatever the fuck yeah. so like no uh, he wants to go work on a build king a build king is a okay. gigantic structure that is the king of buildings 
Um, and there's a bunch of yeah, them. But there's like a picture of one that's like on the back of a giant turtle. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was like, this sounds... So I've been reading and watching a little bit of Toriko here and there. And Toriko is a series about... This is not one of our series for this week. I'm just bringing it up. Toriko is a... It's like an old style shonen series about really muscly guys with a fairly basic, super strong powers uh, going around in a world full of fantastical beasts and plants and stuff because everything in this world is tilted towards being gourmet. And it's all about like, you know, you hunt down the, the big monster because the meat is succulent or whatever. So it's like this cute concept and it has this kind of shonen premise but it is done in this kind of like not it, it's done in an older style where it feels like the anime could have been made a decade before it was and it would not have been out of place. So it sounds like this, but I, I found Toriko to be a little exhausting at times. Yeah. And, Blake and uh, it sounds Blake, like this has maybe more promise. Yeah. Blake didn't mention it, but Toriko is made by the same creator. So. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it is. It is. That's like this okay. is, this is the, the next project by that creator. So. Yeah, and Toriko, uh, yeah, I've watched it, I don't know, 30 episodes, and I just finished reading, like, chapter 10 today, and uh, it's fine. It's not what I want it to be, but it's interesting enough that I'm sticking with it. But it also runs for, like, hundreds of chapters. Well, actually, it runs for hundreds of episodes, and I don't know how many of those are filler, but I don't think it's a very high amount. So, like, the series went for a while and seems like it did pretty well. So, uh, you know, I don't know if that's because the main premise is popular enough that uh, that will sustain it or if it gets uh, sort of pivots throughout the series to become, you know, new stuff, kind of like Bleach does. Uh, but, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, uh, I'll i be curious to hear where this series goes. Uh, and, yeah, there it's we might find no, uh, more series like this that just began the week we record this. But this is as ground floor as you can get. By the time you hear this, I think the second chapter will be coming out tomorrow as early as you can listen to this. So, like, you can you can literally be one of the first people to read this manga. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, let's get into Blake's page flip, which I have also never heard of before. Yeah, this is pretty new. I think there's 10 chapters out right now. It's called Ghost Reaper Girl. Uh, this is fine. Um, the premise is there is an actress. I think her name is Chloe, but I can't find uh, the names of these characters without pulling up the manga pages itself. So there's a girl. She's an actress. She's 28, but she looks like a she, she looks like a high school or even middle school girl. She's just one of those diminutive people with kind of youthful features. She also wants to be an actress, and uh, so she's. It, it opens with her in this like casting. Uh, I guess TV studio president's office where she's talking about potentially getting a job uh, as one of their actresses. But it turns out that she's really, she's only played like extras or dead bodies. And it sounds like her only, her only starring role of note was in a movie uh, called ghost reaper girl. That was like very poorly received a total flop and was just like a wildly unsuccessful film. So, uh, also, there was an outbreak of spirits from Hades, and uh, it's never explained, but somehow the president has a lot of spirits living inside of his body, and uh, they look kind of like a very creepy version of the ghosts from Ghostbusters. Like, they have that kind of cute roundness to them, but then they'll have, like, creepy mouths, 
So it's interesting. I like the design sensibility uh, of the ghosts, uh, even though they are a little homogenous and they do kind of remind you of the Ghostbusters ghost, uh, either Slimer or the one from the No Ghosts Allowed symbol on the, you know, the title. Um, but, uh, but creepy. And so the guy kind of suddenly and kind of without warning or explanation starts spewing ghosts from his mouth and uh she runs away and then there's a dude who shows up who fights with chains which uh, i love people who fight with chains so he fights with chains and he slashes the ghosts from from uh the ghosts are trying to possess the girl's body and uh so the guy saves her and he's like, hey, I'm your biggest fan, which she's excited about because she's like basically a no-name actress. And so she has a fan. And then he reveals that he is from Hades and has uh, is after these spirits because there was a big jailbreak. So uh, he wants to bond with her. And the thing about the possession and about his attempted bonding is that they always use the phrase, the phrase like, will you let me inside your body? And this manga also kind of evokes, and I believe quite intentionally, Me Too stuff, which uh, if you have been living under a rock, Me Too was a uh, sort of uh, prominent social movement from, I think, last year in which a lot of mostly women, but some men spoke up about their experiences being sexually harassed or assaulted. Uh, And this frequently centered around the entertainment industry. Famously, Harvey Weinstein was probably the biggest name, uh, although there were other actors and producers and stuff like that. And the idea was that uh, there's this sort of, there's a, the idea of a casting couch, which is a a term to describe um, usually female actresses trying to get jobs and having to have sex or do sexual acts in order to land those jobs. That's often called the casting couch. And Me Too sort of made that unambiguous and confirmed that that is a real thing that a lot of people have experienced while also opening the doors to other people talking about their, uh, their experiences in other fields. This manga is very clearly pulling on that directly and it's using spirits to do it. And I think it, it could be a little triggering just because it comes up so much and it is done in an explicit way and the ghosts are kind of round shaped and, and so sometimes their arms kind of bend and twist in tentacle ways. And there's one sequence that kind of looks very phallic. So I would say tread carefully if you have some emotional concerns around sexual assault. Uh, it, it isn't about sexual assault explicitly. Uh, it's just using this sort of possession as a metaphor. And when I was Googling to get information on the series, it seems like a lot of people have responded negatively to that. Uh, I didn't respond particularly positively to it, but uh, the rest of the chapter kind of proceeds without it. She runs away from the dude. She gets on a train. Turns out everybody on the train is possessed by that guy because he was waiting at the train station for her. And so he tries to attack her. She gets off the train. The dude who wanted to to match with her shows up and she finally decides that uh, she wants to match with him. And um, she she does. And then it turns into Soul Eater kind of where he he uh, fuses with her, enters her body or whatever. He possesses her. And because of that, she 
gets a magical girl uniform and he turns into a uh, scythe on a chain with a face on the scythe. So very soul eater energy, although uh, instead of being cool, it's kind of drawn goofy. Um, and so she fights them off. She's she she also grew up in the slums and is shown carrying around a barbed wire wrapped baseball bat. So she has some historical experience with combat and uh, she also is like a special type of person that any ghost could bond with. And so he's able to bond with her, but also with or without that, she was going to continually be uh, confronted by these ghosts trying to possess her. So that that seems to be where the series is going. It's fine. Uh, it, it could be way better. <laughs> so I described the plot of Ghost Reaper Girl my reaction was there are some concepts here that I find interesting. There is what I believe is a relatively innocent attempt to co-opt the sort of popular sexual assault as an actress narrative. Um, I think it was misguided. I think people have responded negatively to it. Um, I didn't think it was as gross as some of the other reviews did, but I did think that it was uh, really unnecessary and uh, maybe a little overplayed to the point that it started to make itself an unwelcome visitor. Um, and so I think that's going to be hard for some people to look past. I think that the general concept of spirit fighting with uh you know a scythe on a chain is cool they mentioned that she specifically when she bonds with or is possessed by the dude from hades that uh she gains a skill and it seems like they're going to be shown in powers in this so i like that uh i don't know there's a lot of potential here but i think that the first chapter is kind of a mess um i think there are a lot of people who are going to be really into it that are going to have fewer problems with it than I did. And I don't think, you know, this is not a Gravity Boys from last week where I just have a huge problem with it. Um, I think that the 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 sexual assault narrative was, I mean, it, it's not literally sexual assault. It's just evoking that. Uh, I think that was not a good choice. Uh, and I think that it's kind of distasteful and I think it's going to turn a lot of people off. Um, that doesn't seem to be a core concept of the series all of that said this is by the person who made rosario vampire which is a series i'm also reading right now and which i have very mixed feelings about rosario vampire is kind of a harem shonen so a, a harem uh it, it's when there's a lot of one gender kind of pining after the other, usually a lot of girls pining after one dude. Uh, that is what your Rosario Vampire is, but it's couched in the sort of supernatural monster school narrative that yields shonen results. And I think the series becomes a little more shonen as it goes on. I'm uh, 16 chapters in or so. It's it's fine, but there's a lot of just kind of like sitting around, slice of life, and then there's a lot of like random panty shots, even during the action sequences and stuff like that. There is a little bit less overt sexualization of the female protagonist here in this first chapter, but there is a lot of subtle sexual imagery. 
included in the way that the ghosts attempt to possess her. And so with this creator, it's hard for me to give this a, a pass uh, because he has created work in the past that is intentionally designed to titillate male readers. And now he is doing that in a story that involves direct call-outs to like Me Too era sexual assault allegations in the entertainment industry. So this is, I just, I keep repeating myself because it's an important caveat that I think people are going to need to be aware of. And oh my God, are you still there? Okay. What the fuck is happening? Anyway, I'm done with this review. Read it if you want. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's good. And I think it could go either way. That's my final word. All right. Uh, For our tag team this week, we have Somali and the Forest Spirit, which is about uh, a young Somalier who's going to find different (laughs) kinds of wines in a forest and meets a a young fairy who gives her the best wine that she could ever want. No, it's not about that at all. It's about a world where if you hate humans and wish they were all dead and eaten by monsters, then this is going to be your place. Um, because that's what this world is. Um, we have our main character who is a, uh, golem who, uh, says he doesn't have any emotions, but he is like fibbing because he's like slowly learning how to be a person. Um, and he is, uh, he is joined by his adopted daughter, Somali, which is a, a little girl that he found in the forest and uh it's it's charming this show is so charming yeah he's he is i guess on a quest to find other humans so that she can be with her kind but unfortunately they live in a fantasy world where as one character tells the story it used to be that humans and monsters didn't really know each other existed and didn't really interact and then one day they came into contact with each other and after a brief period of trying to get along just fine, humans being the sort of stereotypical humans of, of media and the largely accurate to life humans of our world uh, did, you know, mean shit to each other and to the monsters and were, you know, mistreating the environment and all that kind of stuff. And so the monsters basically... Uh, got into a war with the humans, but monsters are monsters. And so they are very powerful and humans are just people. So they got basically wiped out instantaneously. And now in the, the present of the series, like at one point, the, the forest spirit golem dude is like, Hey, have you seen any humans around? And the response is basically not for a while. And it, it seems that the humans are being discussed as a rare, food delicacy rather than a species that can be seen around the world yeah somebody was just like we saw some show up at the market the other day and so you're like oh they came to the market but what they meant was the other day some dead humans or probably maybe still alive humans that are ready to be eaten were showed up to the market the other day and i was just like oh like uh that's that's dark um but yeah, all of, all of the monsters sh- seem super nice and also like there's one part where she's chasing around a cat that's also a monster and the cat is like evil but also every time you pet him he's just like stop that but also yes this is what i would like <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is cute i i was watching it and i was like this is like now go with me here this is kind of like made an abyss for kids <laughs> 
because Made in Abyss has this high, especially at the beginning of the series, there's this feeling of adventurous whimsy. And it is tinged with a heavy dread because the conceit of Made in Abyss is that there are bad things in your future and these characters are bound and determined to get to those bad things. In this, I can't tell how bad things are going to get, but there is a tension because humans are a species that has been almost entirely eradicated, potentially completely eradicated as far as the monsters are uh, are aware, at least the ones in this episode. Um, they're like, I'm not sure if there are humans anymore, but I did see some meat a few weeks ago, but that's the last I heard of them. That might've been the last of the humans, uh, which is a little cavalier about an extinction event, but sure. Um, the, but it's just like, so Somali, the little girl who is a very little girl, uh, is, a human, but she is wearing this like cute little hoodie that this forest spirit golem apparently made for her that makes it look like she has some small horns on her head. So she's being passed off as a young minotaur, which is adorable. Uh, also very easy cosplay. So, you know, get on that. And uh, I don't know. There uh, To me, I kept being like watching this first episode. I was like, is the other shoe going to drop? Like, is... Like, especially when she goes off with the cat that turns out to be a monster. I was like, is this thing going to try and eat her? Is this about to take, like, a a hard left turn into really fucked up territory? And it didn't. And it could, but I kind of don't think it's going to. But it could. Yeah. I was like, we have one of our listeners who, uh, at least one of our listeners who has a young daughter. And I, like, specifically, he, like got uh some movies i think from us and was watching them with his daughter and she was like loving it and i was like oh this is a good series for them maybe yeah yeah maybe. <laughs> but i don't know i don't know what happens <laughs> yeah yeah well i think this is one that definitely needs more roughing up I, I i would go ahead and just straight up jump into it just because it seems like a really interesting concept also i'm like head over heels for fantasy anime so like yeah. you know if you give me one of those and it doesn't seem like it's going to immediately upset me i'm probably going to get uh, all the way into it um it also well, seems plus, like this is a father-daughter story yeah. uh, even though he's not literally her father uh, although you know who knows anime has had stranger twists than that but uh she calls him father and papa and stuff like that so it has that sort of protective father learning to love and adorable daughter who is just smitten with this you know father figure kind Mm. of vibe and it seems like it's going to be sort of a road trip through a fantasy world anime Mm -hmm. uh and again i would if you have little kids this is probably great to watch with them on the caveat that you google to make sure it doesn't go full-on maiden abyss uh, I don't think it does, but uh, you know, double check before you watch it. But otherwise, everybody should check this out. It's just charming. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, stick with us uh, after these credits, and we'll tell you another important life lesson. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level thirteen sound wizard. 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. 
Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. Greetings, anime fans. My name is Jeremy, and I'm the editor-in-chief for The Geekly Grind, a place where geeks can go to escape their weekly grind. We're coming up on our fifth year of operation, and to celebrate, we searched high and low for some of the coolest podcasts out there in order to create a new geek-centric podcast network. And what we found were three awesome shows that are sure to be a great addition to any geek's media menu. Of course, there's Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, which is this wonderful show, which features an additional episode weekly now to cover new anime and manga from our friends at Biz and Funimation. You can also dive into the world of comics with Comic Book Keepers, where Chris and Lance chew the fat about their favorite heroes, villains, and comic series, as well as the impact that comics can have on our lives. Finally, if you're seeking a fantastical and fun retreat, Knights of the Rolled Table is an engaging and family-friendly D&D adventure starring talented improv actors. With three fantastic podcasts on the books and more on the horizon, make sure to check out the Geekly Grind Podcast Network as well as our regular content at www.thegeeklygrind.com. We'll see you next week, and until then, make sure you don't get your gun head wet because you don't want your head to rust. Okay, it's very important. You gotta watch out for the humidity. You can't get it wet. That's very important stuff. (laughs)